It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? Are you ready for the word this morning? Let's just bow our heads for a second. Father, again, we just come with such thankful hearts into your house. We enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. It's been an amazing morning. I thank you for everything that's already happened, everything that's transpired here. I just thank you for this family that was just up here, that's gone back to their seats. For what they do for your kingdom, I thank you. I thank you for that. I thank them for that. I bless them for that in your mighty name. And I say, Holy Spirit, come and just have your way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of my message this morning, Throne Room or Cave, you choose. <laughs> well, we got one vote for throne, throne Room. Throne Room or Cave, you choose. I, w- I want to uh, go get right into it this morning. We're going to turn to 1 Kings And I'm going to be reading from the 18th chapter. I'm going to read a lot of it, stop and talk about it, 19th chapter as well. I feel like the Lord has a a lot to say through these two chapters to us this morning. So are you ready? Then say amen. Amen. Okay, 18th chapter. I want to... You have a little bit of a, a foundation for this. We're, we're, we are talking about you know, the two prophets that, you know, where there was a, a change up, Elijah, Elisha. Um, we're going to even get into the transition between the two. But <clears throat> I particularly want to be talking to you about Elijah this morning. Uh, after. In chapter 17, he's predicted, not predicted, he has told King Ahab, who's not been king for a long time, he's told him that there is going to be a drought and that it's going to last for three years. So you're going to be without rain, you're going to be without dew for three years. The Lord immediately then directed him, the voice of the Lord sent him down to a creek. He said, now you need to get out of town. You've shared the bad news with the king. Now you need to get out of town. Leave town. Go camp out by this creek. And by this creek, ravens are going to come and bring you bread and meat, and you will be able to drink from the creek. So God has shared with him, go, this is what's going to happen, and that's exactly what happened. How many know that when God speaks, his word doesn't just fall to the ground, but it comes to fruition. We can count on his word. When he speaks, we believe it. Yeah, all right. So when God speaks, we believe it. We listen to his voice. We come accustomed to his voice. His voice trains us up. We learn how he speaks, when he speaks. Right? How many people are just totally comfortable with that? You have gotten to a place where you recognize the voice of God every time. Well, there's one. All right. And that's probably right one. I, I, I can't say that I'm quite there yet, but I'm getting closer. The more time I spend in his presence, the more time that I spend in the quiet listening, the more accurate I become at hearing his voice and determining the direction that he wants me to go. 
Everybody with me? Okay, so he has established uh, the prophet was, was faithful and was obedient. He went, he told the king, and then he heard the voice say, now get out of town. Go to, this, go to the creek, hang out there until further notice. Well, he did exactly that. Elijah went to the creek. The ravens took care of him, brought him meat and bread. He drank from the creek, and he sustained himself there. Now we get to 18, chapter 18. He did a, a <clears throat> once the creek dried up, I need to bring you up to speed a little bit further there. Once the creek dried up, he had to leave and he followed the voice of the Lord and ended up doing a couple of miracles. So we're a couple of miracles in, and we're at chapter 18 now for, <clears throat> for Elijah. Now it came to pass, after many days, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, so the third year of the drought, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab. Ahab, the king that would probably want to kill him because he prophesied there would be no rain until he spoke the words again that it's time for rain. So, go present yourself to Ahab and let him know, I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab and there was a severe famine in Samaria. We know that, he's the one that prophesied it. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, so he understood who God was. He knew who God was. He feared God and the prophets of God. So, uh, verse 4, so it was while Jezebel, everybody say Jezebel. And who was Jezebel? She was the queen. She was married to King Ahab. Jezebel's not somebody that had authority on her own. She had to attach herself to the authority of the king. Everybody still with me? Okay, for it was so while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and had fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go into the land to all the springs of water, to all the brooks. Perhaps we will find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so that we won't have to kill any livestock. So that it's gotten so bad that the grass is shriveled up, the grass is dried up, go look for springs, we can feed the livestock just to keep them alive. So he says, all right, you go this direction, I'll go this direction. They divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself, this is the king, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Now, as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly, everybody say suddenly, Elijah met him. It's like, where did he come from? Obadiah recognized him, fell on his face, and said, Is that you, my lord, Elijah? And he answered him and said, It is I. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. Then he said, Oh, How have I sinned that you are delivering your servant, speaking of himself, into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. So the king was really unhappy by this time, three years in nearly. 
<clears throat> with Elijah, so much so that he was trying to find him to kill him. Everybody understand the... <clears throat> the placer... <clears throat> Excuse me. The position that both Elijah and Obadiah find themselves in. But Elijah is being obedient to the word of the Lord. Again, everybody say obedient. <clears throat> okay, uh, where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you, and when they said, he's not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. In other words, they had to swear, take an oath, we, we can't find him, we cannot find him. Now you say to me, go tell your master Elijah's here. Now it's going to come to pass as soon as I'm gone from you. <laughs> I love this right here. Now I'm sure that it'll come to pass that as soon as I'm gone from you, that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place that I do not know. So when I go tell Ahab and he can't find you, he'll kill me. Isn't that cool? You remember Philip when he baptized the eunuch was translated? It's kind of interesting that apparently this is something that was taking place back here at Old Testament because Elijah just continued to just disappear and pop up out of nowhere to end up finding Obadiah. It's like, oh, this is, this is really interesting to me. Come on, somebody else say, yeah, that is. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It was Old Testament too and New Testament. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. <clears throat> was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets? You know, I had hid the guys in the caves, and, and now you're telling me, go tell your master. He's, he'll kill me, he'll kill me, he'll kill me. Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. So Obadiah went, found Ahab, told him, and went to meet Elijah. Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Like, you troublemaker? <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> and he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you followed the Baals. So that's a way to really soothe it over for somebody who wants to kill you, right? No, it's your fault. It's your fault. Now therefore, send, so this is Elijah speaking, now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel. 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 Um, tell what I'm thinking about. <laughs> Social Sunday. The four... <laughs> The 450 prophets of Baal, make sure that they're here, and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel, gather them all up, and he gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people. It's pretty amazing how 
It's the king who's out to kill him, who is absolutely following his orders to the T, because, because he was obedient to God. God gave him that direction. The word says, he will equip you to accomplish whatever he calls you to do. So here we go. The instruction has been given. They're gathered together. Elijah has all of the, you know, the people, uh, the children of Israel gathered together, and the 450 prophets of Baal. So Elijah came to all the people, and he said, How long will you falter between two opinions? It's like, you're going to be stuck in the middle, one way or the other. You waffle back and forth. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people answered him not a word. They didn't know what to say. They were just like frozen in silence. Like, uh. So Elijah said to the people, I alone am a prophet of I alone am left, a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Let the prophets of Baal choose one of the bulls. They get their pick. They can take the choicest bull if they so choose. Cut it to pieces, lay it on the wood and put no fire under it and I will prepare the other bull so I'll take the second choice. You take the choicest bull. I'll take number two. And we will lay it on the wood, but nobody puts fire to it. Don't light it on fire. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I'll call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> answers by fire. He's God. So all the people answered and said, Yeah, that's well spoken. Good job, Elijah. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many. And you call on the name of your God, but don't put any fire under it. So they took the bull which he had given them, they prepared it. They called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered back. And they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked him and said, Cry loud, for he's a god. Either he is meditating or he's busy. Maybe he's on a journey. Perhaps he's sleeping and you need to wake him up. So they cried loud, they cut themselves, which was part of their custom, with knives and lances until blood gushed out on them. It was so when midday was past, so it's past lunchtime now, that they prophesied until the time of the evening offering sacrifice. So this has been an all-day event now. They've hopped around, they've jumped up and down, they've hollered, they've cried, they've cut themselves till blood was gushing out, still no response. No fire. There was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So come on in, gather in here. So the people came near to him, and he, prepared, he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel 
shall be your name. Then with the stones he built up the altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two big barrels. I don't know exactly what that is. I'm just going to say two big barrels of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood, and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Four big water pots with water, pour it all over the wood, soak this wood, and fill this trench. Then he said, okay, do it again, a second time. Then he said, do it again, a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and it filled the trench with water. They say, that wood was soaked. Yeah, that wood was wet. You've all been camping or ended up dragging, we have a a wood-burning fireplace in our house, and if that wood gets wet, it's a nightmare to try to get it started. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening service that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. I think this is something that's critically important right now. You're God, I'm your servant. You're God, I am your servant. Everybody say that. You're God, I'm your servant. That I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word, being obedient to what I've heard you say I am doing. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and you have turned their hearts back to you again. So the whole purpose, to turn the hearts of the people back to God. And what is our purpose in life? To turn the hearts of people back to God. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt and Consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. It's like dust. It had to turn it to dust before it could consume it and licked up the water that was in the trench. Yeah, wow. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Twice. Elijah then said to him, Seize the prophets of Baal. Now, where was Ahab in all this? <laughs> Elijah said to him, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let one of them escape. So they seized him. Elijah brought him down to the brook. Not, not, not at the place of sacrifice where God did the incredible miracle, but he took him down into the valley where the brook was and executed him there. Killed every single of the 450 prophets. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Now, he's bossing the king around good now. Now, I'm sure he had his undivided attention, wouldn't you say? Now, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Like, oh, okay, so we're going to see two, three miracles right in a row. I hear the abundance of rain prophetically 
<clears throat> and you better pay attention, Ahab. So go eat, drink, and get ready to get home. So Ahab went up, ate, drank, but Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, put his face between his knees, said to his servant, Go up now, look, look towards the sea. So he went up, took a look, said there's nothing. Seven times he did that. Go again, go again, go again, go look, go look. I've told him the rain's coming, I'm believing the rain's coming, the Lord told me to do this. Go look again, go look again, go look again. Seven times, the seventh time he came back and said, well, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand rising up out of the sea. So he said, go tell Ahab, prepare your chariot, get out of here before the rain stops you. So it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds, the wind came up, there was a heavy rain, Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. This is no small miracle here to me. It would have to be the hand of the Lord if I was going to end up running. <laughs> the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So that's pretty amazing that he ran ahead of the chariot, outran the chariot, gave him a head start, then outran the chariot. It's like, whoa, Ahab had to be scratching his head going, did that, uh, that really happened. All of this really happened. The prophets are dead. The, 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 the offering was licked up. It's like, yeah. So he went back, told Jezebel, his wife, everybody say Jezebel again. We're going to talk about her in a little bit. All that Elijah, he told Jezebel, all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. So these crazy miracles he experienced, but he killed all the prophets too. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the small g gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this same time. So what has Elijah experienced over the last couple days? Incredible, victorious miracles, being obedient to the word of the Lord. No fear, no fear whatsoever, obedient to the word, hearing the word clearly, following it out right to the T, and then this word comes to him. If I do not make your life as one of them, if I do not make your life... What authority did she have? By this time tomorrow. And when he saw that message, it's like, <gasps> he arose and ran for his life. This is just a little hard to believe, isn't it? He heard that message arose and ran for his life. Say, Elijah, where, where is your head? What did you just experience? You know, after God had you the first time tell the king that there was going to be a drought, he told you exactly what to do. He gave you very specific instructions, and when you were obedient to those instructions, it's like, oh man, miracle, miracle, miracle. Now you are gripped with fear because of one little message, and you're running for your life? Am I the only one that thinks this is just completely crazy? 
Somebody said, yeah. I hope that wasn't you, Diana. Just sounded like your voice. Uh, when, he had, when he saw that message, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, where, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. It's like, hmm. I want to, uh, I want to interrupt right here and go to New Testament just for a little bit. But you see, the only way that Jezebel had power was because she attached herself to someone who had power and manipulated that individual. It's like, oh. So, when she spoke, he was absolutely freaked out, fearful, and ran for his life. I just think, you listened and you were obedient the first time. Now you're gripped with fear. I just... As I, as I meditated on this scripture and wrote it, read this passage over and over and over again, I thought, how in the world does that happen? And I think that there are times in our lives when we can have an incredible spiritual high, an amazing, amazing time that is so incredible, and we become the most vulnerable after we come off that time that there becomes a time of vulnerability that's just that's, that's shocking what can end up happening to us because we will go from a high, high, high spiritual experience like, yeah, that was so awesome, God, you're amazing, just like, she's going to kill me? All of a sudden we move from the spirit to the flesh and fear grips us. I we're going to run out of time here. Uh, when um, I'm trying to figure out how to shorten this now. So give me just a second. <laughs> spirit of Jezebel. I'm talking about the spirit of Jezebel here a little bit. That that spirit comes and attaches to establish, let's say attaches, manipulates. It requires a vulnerable leader. Let's just put it this way. The spirit of Jezebel requires a vulnerable leader. Someone in a place of position. And when I think of, I'm going to back this up with the scripture here just in a second. This is where we're going to go. That, uh, that if you have been in a church for very long, if you've been in any positions of leadership in a church, you have probably encountered the spirit of Jezebel. How many people know exactly what I'm talking about? I'm just kind of, yeah, several, several. Uh, okay, I want to turn to uh, Revelation 2.20. Revelation 2, verse 20. Now this is a revelation. Obviously this is like New Testament because this is John. These, these words are in red, so this is John writing the words of Jesus in the revelation that he received into the New Testament, okay? Everybody follow tracking with me? So him speaking says, Nevertheless, he's speaking to one of the churches, 
Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, that says that, that you allow, this is in a New King James, uh, uh, I really like the NIV translation for this. I don't usually read that, but I was looking at four translations for this. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow, I'm going to say you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself, so a self-proclaimed prophetess who, wow, (laughs) who teach and seduce my... Somebody read that for me. I'm going to have to look it up. I can't find... Oh, wow, I can read that. (laughs) Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel... Let me say you tolerate that woman Jezebel, but we're going to change this into today because in reality that's what the reference is, because you tolerate that spirit Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess who comes into a church, into a a meeting place, a community, whatever, and presents itself, herself, as a prophetess or prophet to teach and seduce the servants to commit sexual immorality, eat things sacrificed to idols, but sometimes even the sexual immorality that is talking about or even is talking about is being seduced by something other than the presence and spirit of God. So being seduced, the spirit of Jezebel can lead you astray can attach, can manipulate, can oppress, depress, or possess. And that if we do not have, if we do not have the ability to recognize spirits, uh, identify spirits, if we do not have good discernment, that's why it's so important that we're a body, that we're a body. And that there are people in the body that have a gift of discernment. It's like, oh, that one. Yeah, you might watch her. You might watch him. That spirit does not feel right. That doesn't sound right. You'll know them by their fruit. Ultimately, you will know them by their fruit. Um. Talk about fruit here just a little bit. When a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Let's think about John 14.21. John 14.21 says, Those who love me keep my commands, and it's those that I will love, my Father will love, and I will manifest myself to them. So if we love Jesus, and because we love him, we're obedient to his words, to his commands, he will manifest himself to us. And the fruit of his manifestation is peace, love, and joy. We get to experience peace, love, and joy. In fact, Jesus said, I give you my joy... So the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. He says, I give you my joy that your joy may be full. So we get to experience the joy of the Lord. And when we receive the joy of the Lord, that makes it so our joy may be full. 
Make sense? Okay, so the manifestation of the presence of God, of the love of God, is love, joy, peace, righteousness, and the Holy Spirit, all of that. But what's the manifestation of the dark side? The manifestation is, the Bible says so many times, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. So, the prophet was absolutely gripped with fear, right? I mean, he's seen incredible miracles. He's heard the voice of the God, the voice of God. He's gripped with fear right now. And what is manifest through fear? What is manifest through fear when we partner with fear, then we are partnering with the voice of the lie, the great deceiver, and what we will experience is the manifestation of the product or the reason for that fear. Does this make sense? So, when we love Jesus and we accept and receive his love, we get his manifestation, which is love, peace, joy, and the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. When we give in or partner with fear, what are we going to get? We're going to get the manifestation or the fruit of whatever would be produced by that fear. Am I making sense with this yet? Yeah. It's like whatever we think upon, whatever we believe in, is what will manifest in our lives. What Job feared most came upon him. What Job feared most came upon him. I think that's a great... Okay. I would like to get... Oh. Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you he made who alive who were dead in sin and trespasses... Can we switch? 2, 1 through 3. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's what I really wanted to get to, was the prince of the power of the air. And who's the prince of the power of the air? Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Uh, John fourteen thirty. If we can do, get to that one really quick. I will no longer walk, this is Jesus speaking, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world, which is the prince of the power of the air, depending on which translation or what you're using. He has nothing in me. He's coming, but he has nothing in me. So the prince of the power of the air has been, that power has been usurped, has been taken by Satan. Right? That's who we're talking about. Prince of the power of the air. But, John 10.10, Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came that we would have life and life to the abundance. So Jesus came. Say, but Jesus came. 1 John 3.8, we're talking again about Jesus, and it says, Jesus came, he who, 1 John 3.8, he who sins is the devil, for the devil... Jesus came, for this purpose the Son of God came, was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus gave you and I the authority to accomplish what he came for in the first place. To reconcile people to God and to destroy the works of the devil. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out, demon free, cast out demons freely. You have received, now freely give. So all authority has been given to us through Jesus to destroy the works of the devil. And it says that Jesus would make his enemies, the devil and his demons, his footstool. So we are to do that work that indeed would make Jesus get his full reward, which is seeing his enemies as his footstool. He's given us that kind of authority. Now, if... This is something, a hierarchy thing. I, I was thinking about last night, and even again this morning. It's like, if Satan is the prince of the power of the air, what's Jesus? King Jesus. King Jesus. Everybody say, King Jesus. So we know that there's a prince that thinks he's in charge, but we know there's a king who is definitely in charge, who has all authority. And I want to turn one more time to Hebrews 4. Fast forwarding just a little bit. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, where we have a confirmation and a promise. Seeing that then we have a great high priest... Jesus Christ, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And grace is that favor, the favor of God in our lives. He's promised us that we can come confidently, depending on translation, we can come boldly, confidently before his throne where we have been given all power, all authority to accomplish everything we need to do to destroy the works of the devil. By submitting and committing ourselves to him, we're entitled to his authority. I wanted, to, <laughs> I wanted to finish up with going back to Elijah and Elisha. Do I have like 10 more minutes? 10, 50, oh, do I hear 50? Do I hear 20? Do I hear, I got 15, do I hear? No. Well, this wouldn't be, that could be a pretty good place to close right there, but I, I just, I guess I would like to just really go back to you see, Elijah, when he started running to the caves, 
No, we have got to go back. We have got to revisit this. We have to. We have to. Okay. Well, when Elijah took off uh, his first stop, I just want to say, his first stop was at a, 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 at a terebinth, uh, what kind of tree is that? Stopped under a tree. He spent the night under a tree, and the, and the angel, here we go, a broom tree. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Now oh, I really need to back up. I'm trying to really hurry here, but see, Elijah took off running as soon as he told. Then Jezebel sent the messenger to him. I will if I'm going to kill you. Basically, I'm going to kill you. When he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Everybody say he isolated himself which is a really bad thing. He finds himself by himself, which makes him much easier prey to the enemy. You can end up hearing the voice of the enemy, and it gets even more and more muddy and difficult to determine which voice you're listening to. He isolated himself, left... left his servant there, isolated himself. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a tree. And he prayed that the Lord might take his life. I'd like to just die. I've had enough. It's like, my goodness, he went from such an incredible peak where God was doing amazing things in his life to a place that like, uh, I give up. I give up. I'm ready to die. It's like, well, if you were ready to die, why in the world did you run from her in the first place? It's like, you're just feeling sorry for yourself. You're just whining now. But he found himself in such a place, was listening to the wrong voice. He's isolated off by himself, listening to the wrong voices just chattering. Give up and die. Give up and die. Give up and die. He said, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under this tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Rise and eat. Man, I always feel better after I eat. But <laughs> Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and then he just laid right back down again. Now I feel a little better I ate, but still woe is me. Go ahead and take me, kill me. Or just go ahead and put me in that chair and take chariot and take me home, Lord. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he ate and drank and went into the strength, went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. It's like, oh man, when God gives it to you, when it comes directly from the Lord, ain't no telling how far you can go on it. <laughs> So he arose and he took a 40-day trip to Mount, basically Mount Sinai. Same, it's the same mountain, the mountain of God. And there, what did he do? He went into a cave. 
He traveled for 40 days, miraculously traveled for 40 days on one meal, and then still went and found himself in a dark place, back in a cave again. That's what I'm saying. Throne room or cave? Throne room or cave? We make the choice. We enter into the throne room and we listen to the voice of God. We can boldly enter into that throne room or we can just go off into a cave by ourselves and listen to the wrong voice that's coming from the enemy, begin to feel sorry for ourselves and go, what happened? Like God's faithful, God's good. We just messed up. We went from spirit to flesh and the fear in the flesh. The fear manifested and all we attracted was demons. Praise and worship attracts when we praise Him, when we thank Him, when we enter with an attitude of gratitude, we attract the presence of God and His angels. When we begin to step into a dark place in depression, we end up attracting the darkness. He went into a dark place, and, and uh, the, he spent the night in that place. And the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? It's like, uh, well, let me come up with this excuse. Lord, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Uh, it's because of them. It's because of them, Lord. Uh, they've torn down your altars. They've killed the prophets with the sword. Now I'm left alone. Oh, woe is me. Poor me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I've been abandoned. And they seek to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. God said, Go out and stand on this mountain. I'm going to get your attention again. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and a strong wind tore into the mountain. It broke rocks to pieces before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Oh, that's a voice that I've been following all along. Now that still small voice is returning. It's like, see, God doesn't, he is the God that's in control of the fire, of the wind, of the earthquake. He's in control of it all, but his desire is to communicate with you intimately through that still small voice. Not to have to scream and jump up and down and, this is the voice of the Lord. It's like, no, no. Sometimes he has to do that. To, I've heard that one time, and it got my undivided attention, and it's only been one time. He only had to yell really loud at me one time. The rest of the time, it's just been that still, small voice, even coming through other people. So, so it was then. Elijah heard it. <laughs> that he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And I, I read this and thinking, now wait a minute. He said, come out here and stand before the Lord. I'm going to come before you and you're going to witness all this. And it's like, I'm thinking that during the windstorm, he ran back in the cave. Because it says he came out, <laughs> wrapped his face up in his mantle, 
So he didn't, wasn't even looking. God. It's like, I don't even want you to see my face right now, let alone look you in the eye, Lord. I, 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 he covered up his face and went out, and, he, and, and God asked him again. A voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? So he said, I've been very, oh, same thing. Couldn't even come up with a, a word or two different. So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. It's their fault again. And killed your prophets with the sword. I'm left alone. They seek to take my life now. And then the Lord said to him, you need to get back to what you're doing, to what I've called you to do. He says, go, return on your way. I say, I think, yeah, my 10 minutes is up. This is a good place to stop. I had 10, I have 15. <laughs> yeah. Best preaching I ever do is just to read from the Word. <laughs> so he said, I have been, have been very zealous. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, I got to some, you know what? You're back at it again. Get back to doing what I've called you to do. Anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Then go anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of, oh, I'm, I love these words. That was a good place to quit. <laughs> uh, of Abel, we're just going to call him Abel. You shall anoint him, Elisha, as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of, I'm just going to call him Hazel, Jehu will kill him. And Jehu will, ki Jehu will kill anybody that escapes him. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. It's like, you're not alone, man. You are so not alone. There's 7,000 that I have out there. You ran off in a cave and isolated and thought, oh, you know, woe is me, poor me, I'm the only one. It's like, no, no, there's 7,000 of them out there that haven't done that. So you need to straighten up. You need to follow instructions again. So he departed from there, found Elisha. Now, this is another thing that it seems that Rather than following the Lord step by step, instructions by instruction, he kind of fast-forwarded, told him, go, anoint these two people to be kings, and then, and I went through this, and went through this, and went through this, and he never did the first two. He didn't anoint those first two to be kings. He went right to find his replacement. It's like, huh. Which is kind of cool because his replacements ended up taking care of what he was supposed to do. So, but it wasn't, you know, it's something that I like to do a, a, even a more in-depth study to find out if he had followed 
specific instruction from the Lord, if the, 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 the turn of events would have been different and there wouldn't have been so much junk to go through that some of them had... I'm getting into too much detail here. I just believe that if he would have followed the instructions of the Lord specifically, that it probably would have ended up with a different result in what happens in the next two chapters. Read that and see what you think. Because I believe when we listen very specifically to the word of the Lord and we follow it without putting our interpretation or our timing into it, that it turns out so much better, so much better. He went, he anointed Elisha, and you need to read the next two chapters. His, I think, 16, if I remember right, 16 miracles that Elijah did, and Elisha did 32, if I remember right. It's like, incredible, incredible what the Lord had done. God's faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. And if we will trust him, love him, Receive what he has for us. He's so faithful, so faithful. And we won't be disappointed. We won't be depressed. We won't succumb to the fear of Jezebel. Let's stand together. That was I... I, I uh, reflect back on my own life, I think of, of different times and different circumstances where, you know, the Bible says in James, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Submit to God would mean giving him the steering wheel and me sit in the back seat. Man, I've had a hard time doing that a lot of times. It's like, Submit to God. Complete submission. Complete submission. It's like, okay, you even need to navigate through this for me. My flesh is screaming. I, I, this scares me. Uh, and, and, and in those situations, so oftentimes we're ready just to take the wheel back. It's like, I submit my life to you. But I need to drive through this because this is really scary right here. And I feel like, I've been, I, I know how to do this, Lord, and, and, and this scares me. I don't know. It's like that's where we can end up finding ourselves in that dark cave when we don't submit and give him the wheel. It's like, I think so many times, it's like, oh, I've tried to fix it. I've tried to fix it. I've tried to fix it. It's like, Lord, here, Lord, here, I'm going I'm to take the back seat. And I will definitely be following wherever you lead if I give you the wheel and I jump in the back seat. This makes sense to anybody right now. I feel like he's calling us this morning to a place of submission where we think about, you think about, and I think about, where is it that I think I have to hold on to the wheel? Is it finance? Is it whatever, whatever it might be. It's like, God, I trust you. I trust you. I fully submit myself to you, to your care, to your concern. And I know that at any time I can boldly enter in to your presence. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for each one that's 
gathered here today, and I thank you for, for, for this word that, that you've given me. I, I really believe that there's significance to this word, that there were people that needed to hear this word. And I just speak encouragement over them right now, Lord, that they will feel your presence. I just say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come settle on your people. And as we think in our own heads and minds, like, what is it that I haven't submitted? What is it that I haven't turned over to you? Because if I submit it all to you and then I resist the devil, you take care of the work for me. I give it to you right now, Jesus. I give it to you. I thank you. I praise you. I give it to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.